Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Had uh, really played on Christ's hunger pains, okay, as he was fasting there uh, before he started his public ministry. And so this is the, our Lord's response uh, to the enemy's temptation. So Matthew 4 and 4, if you're there, say amen. amen. But he, that's Jesus, answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let's read it together in concert. Nice and loud, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Bless our time together, Lord. Uh, I ask your anointing rest upon us. Thank you for the spirit we already feel in this service been a wonderful moments of worship and uh, song and prayer. I pray you would meet with us now in your word. In Christ's name, everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're calling this series just a spiritual health check. Amen. And uh, if most Christians were asked what spiritual health looks like, I think many would struggle uh, to come up with a good uh, balanced definition. That's because most of us haven't probably taken the time to think about what it means. What does being spiritually healthy really mean? And uh, how many know it's more than winning a game of Bible trivia? Right? You know, growing up, we used to, especially in uh, youth services, we used to have a time of uh, sword drill. How many remember those? Uh, The guy will call out a a scripture verse, and the first one to read it will stand, and, and uh, you know, it, it's still great. And I remember some of those when I was growing up, I'd look at those that was always the quickest to the text, and I'd think, man, they must be really spiritual. Right? How many know it's more than that? Just as physical health involves more than exercise, There is more to spiritual health than just Bible information. A few years ago, a minister shared what I thought was a great definition of spiritual health, and uh, I am going to use a version of his definition uh, as this series. And he shared how a healthy Christian has six W's in their life. How many? Six. Six W's. All right, let me share them with you, and we're going to start with the first one today. And that is the first one is word. A healthy Christian knows God through the applied word of God under the direction of and the empowerment of the Spirit of God. So everybody say word. Secondly, worship. 
A healthy Christian manifests a lifestyle of worship and prayer based on close daily communion and worship to God. Everybody say worship. All right, the word and then worship. How about this one? Warmth. A healthy Christian engages in meaningful relationships that reflect the love of God and leave people impacted, impacted as disciples and changed. So we've got the word, we've got worship, we've got warmth, and then we've got witness. A healthy Christian lives under the commission of Christ to win Others, integrating outreach into all aspects of their life. So we've got the word, we've got worship, we've got warmth, we've got witness. Then we've got works. A healthy Christian builds up the body of Christ through their spiritual gifts and and, uh, passions and serving Christ, serving our Lord. And then finally, wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. A healthy Christian manages their decisions, uh, their skills, their finances, their times, putting them under the lordship of Christ. So in this series, I want to take one Sunday and look at each one of these qualities, Lord willing. And this morning, we're looking at the first of these qualities, and that is the foundation upon which our relationship with God is built. And it's the Word of God. So uh, we're going to look at these points under six questions for self-evaluation. The first question is this one this morning. Is my love for God's Word increasing? Is my love for God's Word increasing? Because how many know a healthy Christian will have the Word of God consistently running throughout their life? Now this morning I'd like to... Uh, see what the Word of God does, but I'd first like us to answer a question. The question being, what is the most valuable object uh, in the world? Is it, you know, something tangible like um, the Mona Lisa, Michelangelo's irreplaceable painting? How about how about uh, the gold bars that's rumored to be in Fort Knox? Would Fort Knox be the most valuable? object in our world? How about uh, if you owned one of the skyscrapers in downtown Cleveland or New York? You know, even if something is irreplaceable, let's say like the Mona Lisa, or whether it's filled with gold like Fort Knox, how many know its value drops to zero if you offer it to someone who does not have the basics of life? For example, if you offer a bar of gold to a starving man who's going to die in a matter of hours if he doesn't eat food, how many know he doesn't care about the bar of gold? Does that make sense? The most important things in life are not the most expensive, but rather the everyday essentials such as food and water. And I believe that the most valuable item on earth is a common item, but it is an item that is essential for us to know God, to be saved, and that is the Bible. Somebody say the B-I-B-L-E. 
Okay, we're going to have to work on getting you awake. Do you all know how to spell Bible? Let's try it again. The B. Hey, yeah, it's working. Because how many know without the Bible, we wouldn't have spiritual life? In Matthew 4, 4, Christ tells us that just as bread is essential to sustain physical life, the Bible is like bread. It is what sustains our life in God. Christ said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Without food and water, our bodies die physically. Without the word of God, we will wither up spiritually. Right? This is why a healthy Christian's life begins with the Bible. It is why here at Broadway we believe Bible study is necessary to know the truth uh, because we live in a world of lies, world of deception. If you follow the Twitter files that Elon Musk has released, you begin to understand just how much the media and our government manipulate information. They are very concerned that we don't hear the truth, but instead that we only know what they want us to know. Right? Today, it is very hard to know the truth. It is very hard to find out what is truth. The good news is that God has given us the truth in a world filled with fake news and spin doctors. It's found in the Bible. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay? The way we can know the truth about the problems in our world is through Scripture. It tells us that the problem is sin, but somebody say the answer is Jesus. Right? And the only way for us to know the truth about marriage relationships, transgender issues, the reality of the unseen uh, spiritual realm around us, the problems within us, and what happens in the face of death. Listen, That all is covered in the Bible, right? The Bible speaks in a world filled with speculation, in a world that's filled with deception. Psalm 119 says, Thy word is true from the beginning. Can be translated, the sum of your word is truth. Now, Scripture calls itself the sum of truth. That is actually an accounting term. And if you take the uh, a column of numbers to add all the different parts, uh, you know, if one of them is wrong, the sum is going to be wrong. Right? The psalmist says that if we were to add all the different parts of the Bible together, they would sum up and equal the truth. That means it is not just parts of the Bible that are without error, but all of the Bible church is correct because when all of the Bible is added together, it still equals pure truth. Colossians 1 7 says, Ye heard before in the word of truth the gospel. The Bible describes the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done for us as the truth. Many people in the first century thought the idea of Christ rising from the dead was just a a bogus rumor. 
they deemed it a lie because they knew that normal people don't rise from their dead. Right? They thought the church was built on the wishful thinking of misled, misinformed, uh, uh, deceived people. And to many it seemed that Christ dying in our place for our sins, then rising from the grave to conquer death, was just complete fantasy. But yet the Bible describes that message right there as truth. If you are a teenager and your friends at school think you are a a nut job because you believe the Bible and you trust Christ to save you from your sins, realize you are not alone. That was the same reaction many people in the first century experienced when they told others about Christ. This is why Paul describes the resurrection of Christ as the truth and it isn't a shame or a lie. He wanted the Colossians to know that the resurrection was not a fantasy, but a fact that they could believe in. And that's what 2 Timothy 2.17 says. Study to what? Show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible consistently describes itself as the word of truth. Now, the only way Christians can be healthy is by constantly taking in the truth. Not lies, not deception. You know, today, if, if we know a certain news station is always broadcasting the news based on their agenda instead of the facts, once I find that out, I don't listen to them anymore. Right? If we know a certain media outlet lies to us and only tells us what they want us to hear, I don't spend my time listening to them. Why? Because I know that if I listen to lies long enough, right, eventually I will start believing them and trusting them as truth. Folks, I cannot recommend a news outlet that will always tell you the truth and report without any spin based on their agenda. But I can recommend a book that will always tell you the truth. And that's our Bible. This is why healthy Christians regularly expose themselves to the truth to recalibrate their lives around the truth. All right, so I'm going to share just a handful of quick observations. Let's go. Number one, Bible truth is essential for spiritual growth. The New Testament frequently says that as believers, we are born again. How many has been born again? It also says we are born into the family of God. That implies that when we become Christians, we... We start out as spiritual babies, right? Infants. And so like all infants, we need to grow. And the Bible is the primary means God uses to mature us, change us, make us like his son. And in 1 Peter 2.2, I believe it is, Peter says, we are to desire the pure spiritual milk of the word. That we might grow. And the word of God is pure spiritual milk that, that really causes us to grow. Just as 
neglecting to feed a small child will hinder it from growing properly. How many know if we as believers aren't feeding on the Word, we are not going to grow? Right? Jeremiah 15, 16. It's one of my favorite passages. He says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Jeremiah describes God's word as delightful, tasty, right? I'm not talking about raw oysters. Somebody say, ooh. I don't know, maybe you like those. How about this one, uncooked liver? Yeah. No, God's word, Jeremiah said, is refreshing. It is the joy and delight. Huh? Paul, Paul shared some departing words to the elders at Ephesus when he had to leave them after he had been there and training them. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, he says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up. Paul says, until now, you've looked to me to share the word with you to build you up. But Paul informs them that uh, as the middleman, he's leaving. The middleman's getting cut out. But they can still be built up in Paul's absence if they stay in the word. You know, they needed to grow, and Paul knew that. Babies are wonderful to have around the house, but how many know they don't do too much, right? As far as to help. And if 20 years after the baby is born, you're still changing their diapers, something is wrong, right? They've not matured. The same is true for Christians. Christians need to grow up. And the fastest way for us to grow is by the Word of God. Observation number two. Bible truth is essential for victory over sin. Boy, how many could use some victory? One of the reasons finding victory over sin sometimes can be challenging for some is that many are fighting against sin with the wrong weapon. The most powerful weapon against sin is the Word of God. The most powerful weapon against our enemy is the Word of God. It is the Word of God that we regularly consume in our minds and commit to our memories that God uses to help us when we engage in a battle against sin. Psalm 119.11, we quote it often around here, Thy Word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And when we memorize important passages, I believe the Holy Spirit brings the right verse to mind when we face different temptations. First John, I believe it's 2.14, says, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Listen, John writes to the young who have not fallen to the temptations the enemy has 
sent their way. These young men were strong and experienced victory over temptation because they had internalized the Word of God. The more of God's Word that we can internalize Broadway, the more victory we will experience over sin, temptation, and all the devil's schemes. This is why it is essential for anyone who wants to be a healthy Christian to read the book, memorize the book, meditate on the book. Why? Because we're internalizing the words of Christ. Observation number three, Bible truth is essential to serve God effectively. The Bible teaches us how to do God's work God's way. Now I want to look at an example of Moses. How many know Moses was a central figure in the Old Testament? Uh, He was a what we would call a larger-than-life character. God used him to bring uh, the plagues upon Egypt. He used him to lead Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He led Israel through many battles. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and when he came down from the mountain, remember his face shone or glowed from the presence of God. Moses led Israel for I think it was just over 40 years. Now, how would you feel if you were appointed to take Moses' place when he died? Would anybody in here feel a little inadequate? Right? Would you feel there's no way, Lord, that I could measure up? I think all of us would feel overwhelmed and say, we're not able, Lord. We're not able to fill Moses' sandals. But Joshua, somebody say Joshua, was appointed by God to take Moses' place after he died. And look what God told Joshua he should do to be a successful leader. It wasn't take a management 101 class at the local community college. That's fine. It wasn't listening to Dave Ramsey podcasts. No. You know what it was? It was getting the book in his life every day. Now, before you say, well, uh, he didn't have the Bible like we... No, he didn't have all the Bible that we had. Notice what God told Joshua in eight: This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth... But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, notice this, everybody say then. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Success in Joshua's new and and challenging position of leadership would only come from his reading, studying, meditating on, and obeying God's word. If Joshua was careful to saturate his life with the word of God, then he would be guaranteed success. And just as it was Joshua's key to success, how many know it is our key to success? The Bible will make us better fathers, will make us better mothers, will make us better husbands, make us better wives, better bosses, better employees, better leaders, and better friends. Why? Because the power is in the book. 
The secret to effectiveness is not just in the church, but it is in consistently taking in the Word of God. Observation number four. Bible truth is essential for happiness. You know, in the evenings, I sometimes watch the news on Hulu before I head to bed. And to be honest, the news is depressing. It is upsetting, right? Come on, folks. You living in the same USA I am? It's usually people getting away with sin rather than being served justice. There are so many things in life that are just depressing right now in our generation. Sometimes I feel like I need an antidepressant just to watch the news. Right? If, if that is you, the good news is that I have an antidepressant that you can actually take this morning. Hello? Hey, there's no prescription needed for this. You don't need to visit Walgreens to obtain this. No, it's offered to all of us, and it is guaranteed to work. It is the words of God. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man, that means lady too, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, his encouragement, his source and resource of uplifting is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 1 begins with the word blessed. Blessed is a good word. It's an old word in Hebrew. It's translated happy. Everybody say happy. happy. Do you see what the Bible promises will make us happy? It is avoiding sin and delighting ourselves in the Word of God. It is meditating on the words of God day and night. If you want to be happy, folks, read this book. Don't read it because you have to. Read it because you want to. Delight yourself in it. Enjoy it. And remember, the more we enjoy reading the Word and remembering what we read, the happier When you encourage a sad Christian, a depressed Christian, a miserable Christian, the first thing to check is the consistency of their Bible study. Because if we neglect the Word of God, we will be unblessed, unhappy, right? Look how the Bible describes what it does in our life. Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That's a sermon right there. God's word, first of all, revives the soul, the psalmist says. Have you been depressed? Have you felt overwhelmed? Are you discouraged? Are you filled with anxiety that Brother Cobb mentioned earlier? Open God's word. It will revive your soul. Huh? Notice, secondly, God's word makes the simple wise. Have you ever thought of yourself as a simple person? I have. To me, I'm a simple guy. A lot of times I wish I was smarter. 
You ever done that? You ever wish you was wiser? I feel that way. The good news is that reading and meditating on God's word gives us an intelligence boost. It makes us wise instead of simple. Next, God's word brings joy to the heart. That is what we read in Psalm 1. Studying God's word is like spiritual Prozac. Hallelujah. God's word, it says, enlightens the eyes. You know, I wear glasses. My eye doctor told me, a few months ago that I have cataracts starting to form, I said, I'm not even 50 yet. And I found out that without my glasses, I can't, I can't read a computer screen, I can't read a book. But in addition, I've noticed that I can't see things as well as I did before, even with the lights on. I need extra light. Anybody there with me? So, so I have come to appreciate a flashlight. Dude, I got a flashlight on the nightstand, on the dresser, in the garage, in my truck, here on my desk in the office. I've got flashlights everywhere. Hello. Because a lot of times I just need an extra bit of light. Right? This reminds me of the Bible. The psalmist says, the word enlightens the eyes. When we read the word, it is like somebody turning on the spotlight. We can begin to see situations more clearly. God's word is the flashlight that enlightens the eyes of our hearts so that we can make the right decisions. And number five, here's my handful. This is a handful. You can't have a handful and go over five. Right? you got to stop at five. Bible truth is essential for the conviction of our sins. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 is a passage that reminds us all Scripture is profitable to us. And sometimes it rebukes us. Sometimes it encourages us. Right? Sometimes it points us to the altar. And sometimes it points us to praise. One of the things that the Bible does for us is it shows us our sins and directs us to our Savior. Oh, if you're glad for a Savior, you ought to raise your hand and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a Savior. Have you ever had an experience of reading the Word and perhaps you're reading, let's just use for example, you come across a passage about forgiveness and suddenly you realize you've been harboring a grudge. The Bible reveals that sin. The Holy Spirit then sends His conviction. And we are reminded we need to go make a phone call. Right? Or we need to apologize. We need to reach out. We need to make things right. Listen, rarely does God use things other than his word to reveal areas of sin in our life. If we neglect the word, we will fail to see our sins. We will continuously live in our sins, never repenting and never turning to our Savior. This is one of the reasons we must be in God's word regularly. Amen? 
Sister Joan, June, come. God's word, as I close, is to be loved by his children. Some people feel that uh, occasional contact with the Bible is sufficient. But let me remind you, it's not. Genuine believers don't avoid their Bible. They love their Bible. Right? Oh, hallelujah. How many love the Word of God? Look at what the psalmist said in Psalm 119.47. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Psalm 119.127. I love thy commandments above gold. Whoa. He's saying if we had to choose between having the Bible or having a winning lottery ticket, I would rather have the Bible than win the lottery. Right? The Bible brings more pleasure and joy than any amount of riches. The Bible tells us we can recognize non-believers or even fake believers because they have no love for the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 They receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. As we stand together, I just want to leave this with you this morning. I pray you're not indifferent to the Word of God. I pray you love it. I pray you love it. I want to ask ourselves, I want us to ask ourselves, today the takeaway is a question, how can I make the Bible truth a greater part of my life? I want us all to ask ourselves that for just a moment. How can I make Bible truth a greater part of my life? Maybe you need to take a step, and maybe it's the next step that you need to take that'll make the Bible greater part of your life. Today, I, I pray that you'll take that time to evaluate and be honest about it. Where, where you are and what it is that you could do to give higher preeminence to God's Word. Take that step. Maybe... Maybe it's just carving out a little more time in your schedule to spend in God's Word. Maybe it's getting a, a Bible reading plan that works for you. Maybe it's reading repetitiously. Dr. John MacArthur, you hear him on the radio probably. Pastors of a large church out in California. Before he does a series on a certain Bible book, any Bible book, he said, I read it 30 times at least. 30 times all the way through. Because repetition is the mother of teaching. Whatever it is. Maybe it's memorizing. Whatever it is. I encourage you to take the next step to get more of God's Word in your life. Will you do that for me? I believe if we do that, church, we're well on our way to being healthy, God-honoring believers. How many want to be that? Mercy me, 
sings a song. It simply says, word of God, speak. Pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. Be still and know, oh, hallelujah, that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Is there anybody in the house that would say, I need to hear the word of God speak to my life? Go ahead and raise your hand. I need the word of God to speak to my life. Father, here today, I don't know the word that each individual needs, but I do know your word that you have given us will speak to them when they cry out to you and when they let it. And Father, I pray this this great congregation that you have blessed this ministry here at Broadway with and the friends and the families that's gathered here today. God, I pray that our love for your word would grow. It would increase. And that might look different for all of us because we all live different lives. We all have different schedules. But Father, here this morning, I pray and I I really felt you laid this on my heart to challenge us as a church to let your word speak to us. Increase in us, oh God. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Sister Jones, you can sing it. Altars are open. Maybe you want to...